0: 空が
1: So we've got Chels, Dr. Chels, Marshall, and Sunshine in the house. Um, uh, Dr. Chels is an Aboriginal Australian, and Sunshine is a canine Australian, uh, currently sitting on the couch there with Chels. Chels, a marine biologist, among other things, uh, completed her PhD in Indigenous Knowledge Systems and Climate Change, um, dabbles in everything from... um, you know, urban planning to, I mean, pretty much everything else, entrepreneur, uh, all kinds of things makes me, uh, makes me feel very inadequate, um, massive CV <laughs> and uh, yeah, and going to have a bit of a ramble, yeah, which is, you know, really solid mob. If anybody's been to that saltwater community, you know, you know, that's people who have their act together. I don't think I've ever met a, a person who didn't have their act together yet. Um, anyway, Chels, how are you going? Do you a, want to introduce a little bit more, acknowledge where you are and uh, et cetera?
2: I was Can just you tell us what com- you've been up to this week? Yeah, I was just going to comment on the massive CV and no life. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> nah, I've got life. I live in a good part of country. So Gumbangi country extends from about the Clarence River in the north down to pass the Nambucca River in the Mm. south and just out uh, before the town of um, Armidale uh, to the west. It's it's one of the last sort of um, ecological, um, you know, strongholds in Mm. in the area. We've got, um, you know, really good um, intact country, but a lot of that is still under severe threat every day from, you know, Expanding population and um, urban development, um, deforestation. Yeah, uh, you know, more population means bigger infrastructure, like dams and highways and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you know, our country um, probably just like every other person's country is 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 continually under threat, and you know it's part of the the thousand cuts that um, is. Oh, yeah adding to our mother and, um, you know, as Gumbangi people, we, we were pretty tight in, um, you know, banding together and we, we, yeah, a lot of our older people, our elders made sure that language stayed in country as well. We're one of the uh, fortunate um, mobs along the East coast of Australia Mm. that, uh, you know, retained a lot of language and, obviously in retaining language, there's knowledge retaining, but you know, as our landscapes um, start to be further damaged and disappear, you know, those landscapes hold our knowledge, they hold our storylines, they, they hold, you know, the, the, the histories of our ancestors and, and and, the, and it holds, you know, those things sacred. And as that starts to be damaged and disappear, yeah, so so does our culture and our identity. So, mm. yeah, always aware of the threat, and I suppose that's why my CV's so long, man, because I have a inherited well, do responsibility. You have, um,
1: do you have babies?
2: I got babies. Yeah, I got. Your a-
1: babies? There you go. So you you yeah. know already like no life, and then plus double on top of that, you got uh, you got no life plus interest. You'll be paying that off forever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's she's pretty cool though. Hey, she's a. She's a Junoie Garran She's a little little frog, um, and I suppose from a young age she's been uh, tailing me and trailing me around to meetings with the Commonwealth and uh, meetings mm. with yeah important people. And uh, uh, she came with me when I went to meet the uh, President uh, Macron from France. And mm-hmm. she's met a lot of people and she's been a lot of places in Australia from a young age and met a lot of community, a lot of mob, a lot of mob mm. out there, and. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she's had to put up with me talking to people in meetings and so she's pretty tuned, hey? she yeah. We've almost got climate change in the future banned from being talked about and on the TV in our house because mm. she gets so depressed from it because she's, yeah, you know, she's essentially from the age of like uh, four or five, she's had to put up with it and she's, uh, she's now like 12, so mm.
1: So your mob doesn't inherit them totems matrilineally?
2: Um,
1: so which way? So you're like more of a saltwater mammal or something, aren't you?
2: Yeah. So Fulgambangu people, our totem collectively is the ocean. So all Gumbengi people have the totem of the ocean. We then have a male and female totem. So as a female, my female totem is Nian, the tree creeper. And for men, it's Murang, which is the Microsherpian bat. Mm. And then um, yeah, a totem is then given to us from family. So uh,
0: uh,
2: yu- Yugi is uh, mine, the dolphin, but that also comes from my mum's side.
0: Mm.
2: Um, so my mum's uh, comes, she's sort of d- Dungari Bandjalung oh, um, right. from the two neighbouring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so my mm. dad derives from all um, well, his grandmother and his uh, great-grandfather, et cetera, Dungari, I mean, Kumbangi, sorry, my mum's, mm. mm. that uh, Dungari grandmother and um, Banjulang uh, grandfather. Sweet. Yeah, so it's a bit of a holistic, uh, yeah, essentially once you reach, um, once you reach um, the this area, yeah, it's all pretty much family intertwined. Mm. Um
1: so you've got a bit dunguddy on your mother's side there. Yeah. That'd be why you're so stubborn then. Must be. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
2: Yeah, probably. Well, you've got to uh, be stubborn
1: we- enough if you're going to finish your PhD when you've got a kid. You oh, know? mate. Um, PhD yeah. and the rest. What you like? Uh, what you been up to this week? What, uh, what, what governments have you been consulting for internationally this week?
2: Oh, look, I've been um, hanging out with the New South Wales government. So I... Oh, I took yeah I took up a position uh, within government with um, biodiversity conservation trust which is like private land conservation mm. so I had a very long time with uh, with New South Wales national parks as a ranger so I was in there doing protected area management but yeah you know, it didn't take me long yeah it was like well these are essentially biobanks banks and you know they're covered by legislation and they're they're essentially part of Australia's protected area system so Then I started working with uh, legend um, Steve Zabo, who's no longer with us, and um, Dermot, uh, uh, and 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 working on Indigenous protected areas at a very young age, and Mm. um, helping and setting all that up. And then, uh, probably eight years ago, I had I jumped into uh, Indigenous protected areas in home country. So I was working in national parks, sort of uh, setting up a bit of co-management as well with the new co-management legislation. And um, yeah, I sort of then realized that, you know, um, a a lot of area that's outside of those biobanks is in private land ownership. So,
0: Mm.
2: yeah, it's, it's in that private land um, area that people need assistance with, you know, conserving country and looking after country. So um, I essentially, work in that space, but at the same time, yeah, I've got my. Um, I think you did a talk with my with my business partner Jason. Um,
1: I did indeed, but that's you radicalised him. You yeah. radicalised him and turned him into a black woman.
2: I did, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's amazing. I don't think I've ever met somebody who 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 learned Indigenous knowledge so comprehensively. Um, um, but just carries it quietly, but at the same time, like, uh, keeps it over time and, and just applies it so beautifully through every aspect of his work, you know, through, cause he's doing, you know, um, urban planning, design, you know, architecture, all this sort of stuff. And he's in Qatar now and he's applying Gumbangi knowledge over there, you know, in the desert and stuff. It's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he, he's pretty amazing.
2: Oh, look, he um, he stalked me uh, when I was giving some talks um, at the Australian Museum. Yeah. Um, and then I said, "Who who is this dude that yeah you know, keeps um keeps sending me emails?" And I was, I was about to call the police on him, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but then um, I made oh he, he and then he edged into you know, he, was, he went and sat next to my daughter, and then he sat um, yeah, in front of my uh, PhD supervisor, mm. um, yeah, made himself known, and then uh, hijacked me. And yeah. Yeah, after meeting him, I knew, I think he told me that yeah, he, he was mates with uh, band members from Nine Inch Nails.
1: Band. Oh, okay. well, that, that yeah, there you go. Break the ice right there.
2: Oh, absolutely. been one of my favourite bands, yeah, and, yeah. Um,
1: with the most phallic I... band name ever, probably. <laughs> <And> the funniest <laughs> thing about um, sober Americans is that they always introduce themselves to you as an alcoholic, and I don't think they <laughs> quite understand how, with Australians, that doesn't put you at ease. <laughs> They're like, I'm an am I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I'm such and such, I'm like, oh, okay.
2: Sobriety
1: it
2: is. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking straight away, I thought, oh, well, it means I can't go and get drunk with you then, can't I? Yeah, that's it. And you can't camp at my
1: house. I don't want to wake up (laughs) and my TV's gone.
2: But, um, yeah, after sitting and talking with him, it was towards the end of my PhD. And obviously I was at home feeling very bloody miserable Mm. about the future of the world and about, you know, where things were going to be, and, and obviously for mob as well, given that you know we were already starting from a place of yeah disparity and 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 in some instances poverty and marginalisation. Um, and I just thought, you know, what hope do we have? What hope does our future have? And you know, we're already marginalised in a lot of you know climatic um, strategies and reports and adaptations. And so meeting Jason. Um, yeah, it w- was fantastic, really, because then uh, working with him then in applying Indigenous uh, knowledge systems and Indigenous lenses to um, architecture and urban design uh, was something quite um, profound, I think, mm. and, and prolific. And to the point now, you know, we've gone in and we've talked to places like Green Star that have, like was the industry standards on um, sustainable design. We've managed to, you know, to, to bring the New South Wales government um, architects and uh, government, uh, other government agencies into this, you know, this new ideology to the point where you know, we're now looking at new legislation and policy around hmm. designing from place um, and incorporating Indigenous peoples' um, um, you know, place names, Indigenous peoples' uh, worldviews and in Indigenous peoples' designs, mechanisms, and it's, you know, it's not just, uh, not just about a, a, you know, a, a pretty mural on the side of a wall or a bit of Aboriginal art or sculpture at the front of your building. Mm. Um, it, it's a whole lot more than that. It's about...
1: You well, know, maybe that, that's time to define these terms now because, um, you know, so you've got IK, Indigenous Knowledge, and then you've got Applied IK, which is, you know, applying that knowledge to caring for country, maintaining your local governance systems, you know, um, following the patterns of that country. And then of course, an economy emerging from that, all one topography, not separated, no abstracts in between. So that's that uh, IK, um, you know, and of course, maintaining relations with the um, communities and lands around you as well. So, you know, that's applied IK, but then IK systems, you know, indigenous knowledge systems, and then applying them what's the um what's the what's that what's the difference for you between um, ik and ik systems thinking
2: yeah. so the systems for me um and my thinking around that is is all the holistic components that come with it because one of the issues um that came out of you know this profound knowledge from western science about you know indigenous knowledge was um yeah you know, and it was within um environmental science that it was first uh, you know recognized, I won't say discovered, it was first recognized and what you had a lot of scientists doing was then just plucking out the bits and pieces that they found interesting or that was relevant to the species or the place that they were t- undertaking mm. the study. Um, and so in doing that what you're also leaving out, is all the other components of you know Aboriginal knowledge and identity? So you know you're leaving out um, the things like the the, the storylines attached to country. You're, you're leaving out the the law, the first law that's applied to country, the rituals that come with that first law, the language, you, the the resource management, the the mm. sacred places, the the living water systems, and the the authority or the knowledge that comes with water the actual people themselves the kinship systems the social organization structures the you know the creators the technology attached to that place the mm. art the songs the medicine the the sacred objects the you know the plants the animals the 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 sites the historic areas um, the ceremony uh, the totemic components so when I say systems, it's the involvement of all those components within mm. those knowledges, and you can't be just picking out the bits and pieces that you like or mm. that you know suit your research or your purpose. So mm. that's why moving into this um, this holistic approach around um, you know everything being integrated and everything being as one. Mm. So when we apply it to um, systems thinking and, and design, it's like, we're not just, you know, going to grab and consult Aboriginal people on, you know, what we should name this place or yeah. on, you know, what would be a nice piece of artwork. It's looking yeah. at, okay, what, what is the meaning of this place? Yeah. Um, you know, what happened here? Mm. Um, what are the ecological processes how does that affect language and the people that originated from here? What's the governance processes associated here? How has it been damaged? How can we do some re- reciprocity and give back? So then it incorporates all those things into that design. Mm. And, um, you know, one thing that we're looking at in particular is like, you know, these these closed economic systems or, you know, this this. This term of reciprocity and and, and giving back, rather mm. than aiming for a you know a sustainable development or a sustainable d- design, it's it's going beyond. It, it's mm. going further than that. So yeah, all the social constructs, the the spiritual const- constructs, and you know, all those things that I just mentioned then then come mm. into it. So it, it it basically then forms a place that derives from life for life. Mm. And 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 for a for healthy life, I, su- I, I suppose, and yeah, moving into the future, yeah, you know, it takes into accounts like you know, uh, reticulation systems, uh, restoration of any sort of uh, water bodies or anything that may have been there that formed microclimates, um, you know, So really drawing on some of that um, knowledge that's um, embedded and still in place in the landscape. Mm. And you know, when you a good example is when you look at like you know an archaeological site or a a site that's termed you know an archaeological relic or an archaeological place, but really what it is, it's 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 it's, it's an example of what used to be there and how people utilise that space. Mm. It it gives an example of you know what those um natural systems used to be and used to mm. look like mm. and it understand and it also gives then um information on the behavior of humans in that place as well.
1: Mm. well what do you think they're going to be um digging up in another 500 years or so what are those layers going to tell us with the uh, future archaeologists slash aliens uh investigating around <laughs> here and and uh, allowing those informatics in the landscape to speak and, um, you know, share what has happened here.
2: Oh, look, I think they're going to think, um, yeah, something went wrong here and obviously what went wrong was greed. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, that's something also that I, you know, talk to people about in our storylines, one of the major in nearly every place in Australia, you'll have a story that talks about sharing and greed, mm. and that's one thing, yeah. You know, that um, and it, you know, it comes from after the world wars, and that's based on greed, mm. and then the industrial revolution, yeah, is another thing based on greed, and then you look at the world economy and that how economy is at the forefront of everything we do is greed like even now we're going through a pandemic and rather than altering the ways that we we uh, live in the ways we operate and you know, investing in more technology so i can go and attend a meeting as a hologram mm. make myself look you know, better and awesomer <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you know, we're more focused on you know we'll we, we need to feed this economy. And it's like, well, why aren't we looking at things to actually change the economy and change our economic basters, mm. you know? And we seem to be embedded in this practice of, you know, doing the same thing. We're like, you know, every day it's like groundhog dog. It's the same yeah. thing, same thing. And, and these sort of environmental fluctuations, you know, even for mob, Historically, it was those changes in environmental, yeah, whether those environmental, whether seasonality or climate change, it's essentially those environmental variables that allow you to, um, you know, adapt and adaptation is essentially a, a sign of, you know, intelligence and it's a sign of then, you know, how you then, you know, um, better enable yourself to exist in a system. But one thing that we tend to do because we are so intelligent, but not as intelligent as the dolphins and the whales, um, is that we tend to have a mindset of changing the environment to suit us. Mm. So that's our adaptation mechanism. Mm. Um, and, you know, old, our, our mother. Um, yeah, you know, she's she's very wise and very tuned, and yeah, you know, nothing that we do is 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 you know, going to sort of, I think, um, prepare us for yeah potentially what the future has in place. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, as long as we keep these these yeah you know, same old same old and I'll call them Western derived systems Mm. um, in place as the dominant feature in how we um, operate. Um, Yeah, I don't think, I always revert back to that, you know, that evolution of man picture where you're coming from, you know, primate into this modern day Mm. uh, human. Uh, In my PowerPoint presentations, I always stick a picture of old auntie at the end of that. Mm. And uh, yeah, at the end of it, she's got a got a sign, and she's pointing to the sign saying, "Yeah, go back, you fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's um, the de-evolution thing. So yeah. sorry, man. I didn't know if I could swear on your on your podcast, but I'm um, just uh, quoting I am, quoting, yeah, what, I, quoting what my sign says. I, I asked
1: Eakin about that. I said, "Ah, oh, like, am I gonna?" you know because we started up this indigenous knowledge systems lab at deacon and sort of you know starting to get a bit of a profile and i said oh my goodness you know we're deacon branding all this stuff and and you know people are attaching my name and and everything else to deacon and um is there do i need to change my (laughs) discourse my language a little bit because i've been saying i've been saying things like um uh, I don't know, take all the money from this conference and just put it straight into the bank accounts so of the people you're studying to try and help them. And uh, and the gap will close like a motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so um, do you want to put some like uh, protocols for my speech? And they, they just said, no, you keep doing what you're doing. It's, uh, it's working. So, you know, well, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, you just let a rip it as it is. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think if it's somebody's way of talking, where like they they they're dropping f bombs every third word, I, I allow that too because I think that person's in pain, you know. And there's a um you know, an evolutionary linguistic kind of medicine to swearing because it, you know, it it if you use the taboo language, it releases an anesthetic, you know. You ever done that experiment?
2: No, I haven't. Oh, it's worth but doing. I, you, keen, get a it's a you get a bucket. It's a famous experiment.
1: You get a bucket of ice water. You stick yeah. one hand in and you you set the timer and you see how long you can stand it for. And like after a couple of minutes, you'll be like, nah. <laughs> and then the second time, you set the timer again, another hand. And then we um, I mean, do it the next day because you might have like hardened yourself to the pain there. But anyway, next time you try it, put that timer on and just uh, let it rip, like swear the whole time. And you can take that for 10 minutes with the swearing, you know, swearing gets you through pain. So I always figure people with bad language, using a lot of taboo language, I figure they're in pain, so I let them rip anyway.
2: Yeah, on But it also
1: helps people remember things. It's part of our, um, it's part of our culture in, in terms of memorization. You know, if we're storing important knowledge in stories and in song lines, um, you always find that part of the story with the most impo- important to our knowledge embedded in it um will be will be the one where like you know there's some serious dorian going there's like you know there's um there's some sex and violence in that part you know there's real yeah, taboo yeah. stuff going on and yeah. you always look there because you know that's where the most important stuff will be it'll be like you kids got to remember this <laughs> so here you go oh, there's big so willies there on. and then there's the magic men singing their willies down through the earth and and up through the earth over here, <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff going on. Oh, there's bosoms, there's like everything happening all at once. And you're like, Yeah, all right. Uh, so that's a mnemonic device. You remember things better. You're never going to forget that story <laughs> or it's that so part funny. of the story. Oh, you're
2: yeah, so right. I've never, I've never, I, I, I used to think, hey, I would just think, Oh, this has got some pretty hardcore yeah. stuff in it. Should I be listening to this at the age of 10? Yeah. Then? Uh, yeah, and obviously they're the stories that have um, stuck with me and then yeah, it wasn't until I was about like, you know, 20, 22 that then I, I really understood what the meaning and what the purpose mm. and the law behind those mm. stories were. And it's like, yeah, wow, but even to remember those mm. things from the age of 10, you know, to the age of you know, to 20.
1: He, here's the thing for me of how, and this is where the complexity comes in with Indigenous knowledge systems. You know, because it's not just how all these things interact, you know, culture, ceremony, bloody blah, 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 and that big web of relations, you know, it, every black consultant's got a diagram for that. You know what I mean? It's, it's more, there's just every tiny little thing like that, just that aspect. So sex and violence and dreaming stories, um, you know, song lines as, as memory devices, um, that reflection in Skycam, the stars as a, as a, as a mnemonic. Um, you know, the, the linguistic devices, rhyme, repetition, all that thing running through all that. Uh, the objects that you make, the images, the symbols that go with that. The, the, so all the interplay of all that, but then all the information that's in there, all that, I don't know. You know, there's things like, the,
0: the, the you know, knowledge- so for example,
1: the med- a, a medicine for depression I, I heard of once is, 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 you know, a woman would crush leaves. Uh, you know gum leaves and uh, of a particular tree, and make the baby smell it, and then tickle the baby every day, and make him laugh every time smelling those leaves, because that's a depression cure, not the leaves themselves. But later on, when he's a young man and his girlfriend breaks up with him, and he's like, I gotta kill myself, she grabs those leaves and makes him smell it, and he starts laughing, he feels better. You know what I mean? There's like, um, there's so many things like that that have this long-term view. Uh, there's so many things that are there's so many little symbioses. We can't figure out how they started or how they ended or how they possibly could have been designed by a human mind, you know? But they weren't. They were in a bigger computational kind of system of land and sky and yeah. waters and people and all the entities in the landscape and spirit and all these things, you know, produce this supercomputer, producing these impossible to design systems. Yeah. You know, and well, that's where great. the culture is. And it's very hard to map. But if you if you unpick a little bit and, and you use a process or the shape of a process, you can apply that elsewhere. And this is what I find. And it's difficult to explain that difference between Indigenous content, which people love, and then Indigenous processes, yeah. you know, Indigenous logics, you know, Indigenous that's, that's why systems. I suppose,
2: that's why I call them systems. Mm. And then, you know, for me it's like well if i try to explain to you what they are you wouldn't understand and um so it's a journey it's Mm. a journey of learning so Mm. yeah you need to be able to open yourself to i suppose a different world view Mm. Um, so seeing things through a different lens but you're so right i i sometimes sit and man it just blows my mind Mm. um i think back you know how um how intelligent yeah our people were at those times yeah to be able to come up with such complex systems yeah and even the holding of knowledge where you know it's like that that ready decks of the, mm. in the landscape where each family or each group or each clan or each person holds a certain bit of a different story and a storyline and yeah you know, it's it just means that yeah you know, if something happened to that mob that or that person that it would never die
0: mm. yeah
2: you know, it's it's still living and 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 breathing and moving and being passed on through time and into the future but mm. just that 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 whole knowledge of you know of knowing um yeah you know, knowing and the you know, and, and and the language around it so you know when when yeah you know, that first southern bit of um air hits your face you know you know that the mullet are about to mm. leave all the estuaries and they're about to come out into the ocean and, and form a migration and then visually you know, you see the the i love this butterfly it's the red black and yellow jezebel butterfly mm. and so you see you see the butterfly and then it's like yes all right mullet are on their way and then you look and then you see yeah, our native um, limes and lemons starting to flower. And it's like, yep, and that's mm. that's the other bit that goes mm. with these fish. Um,
1: and, and we're then in that. All those we, th- we have an ecological yeah. mission there, like I said, custodial species and everything else, you know, and keeping that That's right. right,
2: making sh- yeah, making like sure. Like our movements
1: at that time functions. because we're going for the mullet run. And so then our activities over time, you know, design into the landscape as well of... You know where those places where we dispose of our body waste, for example, while we're doing the mullet run, they come to that's a symbiosis as well because those yes. plants will need that at that time in that system. Yeah. The plants are probably looking out and going, Oh, yeah, there's that flower, there's the mullets coming, oh, we can get that good caca soon. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, Everything yes. has agency in that way.
2: That's you know, right. Oh, yeah. even, and, and for us, mob here, yeah, we've got really close um, associations with dolphins. Mm. And so we we're one of the mobs on the coast that. Um,
1: Are you at that? Are you call them in they help you fish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
2: call them in, and and so the women would call them in, um, and then they'd come in and, and help um, help with the fish. Yeah, like they heard them,
1: heard them all in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and,
2: you and yeah. Yeah. Now look, and I, and I've done some. I, I've done quite a, a long bit years on uh, researching uh, dolphins, and um, particularly here home in in the Namibuka River and. Yeah, we found these, um, these really interesting um, symbiotic relations uh, in fishing, et cetera, and there's, there's some of the dolphins that still will, um, like, breach themselves onto the shore. Yeah. Um, and, and they'll still throw fish up onto the shoreline. And, yeah, they don't need to do that. Um, yeah, mm. their the echolocation can take out these fish. Mm. You know, that's, that's how they fish and that's what they do. Mm. And they, don't, they don't need to be doing this, like, you know, circling and then pushing and thrusting fish mm. onto the shoreline in front of your feet. Mm. Um, and it's obviously one of those residues of learnt behaviour that's also stayed in dolphins, mm. which was really cool.
1: I got, mate, that, I got a mate over in the States. He's an Arapaho follower um gray morning and he like he reckons that all the dolphin research has gone the wrong way people who trying to uh, research decode dolphin language and find out if it's you know actually real communication and if therefore that can be you know um, replicated learned and communicated back you know and then trying to measure the cognitive trying to figure out how sentient dolphins are you know through that way And he's like, they're going the wrong way with that. And so he's doing his own research. Like right now he's off in the field now doing it. And he's like, no, no, you're going the wrong way around. I'm going to teach the dolphins (laughs) Arapaho. So he's teaching them his language. It's like, um, it's the, it's the maddest, I don't know. Oh, most beautiful, um, you know, reversal and that understanding that logic. And so he's got these dolphins, like, you know, um, responding to a rapo and, and then feeding back. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting research.
2: Oh, it's, it's really interesting research because, obviously, you know, they're one of the only other uh, mammals or creatures that, you know, have the same, uh, in, I suppose, intelligence and brain capacity. They've got more than us. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I always said that, you yeah, once they decode that dolphin language, I'll definitely be going, hey, I'm with you, Mob. Mm. Yeah. I'll, I'll join your team and I'll be your representative on land. Mm. Yeah. And I'll start working with you. I'll I'll, number one, I vote one dolphins. I'll, I'll even run their campaign, man.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's
2: (laughs) But um, it's all really interesting stuff. And yeah, we were also then picking up on the different other species that were um, yeah, moving with them. And then, yeah, it was, it was, but it was, it was all, Traditional knowledge, you know, mm, mm. because, um, yeah, there, there's also this thing where, you know, the, I shouldn't say ancestors, they're like my bloody uncles and mm, mm. dad that used to hunt and take out things like um, white faced herons and mm. those things that also fish alongside dolphins. Mm. So it was a really interesting complexity in, in relationships. And I think, yeah, that's one of the things that people these days. Um, yeah, a lot of whitefellas, they, they, yeah, they love that sort of stuff. They, 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 want their own totem and they, they want to understand that kinship. Um, mm. And I always say to them, like, yeah, you mob, you have it. You also mm. have it. Yeah, you mm. your ancestors. Were you from Ireland? Yeah, you, know, you guys had little people. You had these little forest fairies, and yeah, you know, yeah, you, know, you had these enchanted woods and yeah with they their own language and, and
1: everything and they oh, still got it too
2: exactly they still exactly. got it there
1: not so much in the diaspora all around it, but you know people lose things in diaspora and you know they've been tricked into taking on board this gammon privilege you know oh we'll let you come in we'll let you be white we'll let you be night white now that didn't happen long ago what 100 years ago or something yeah, it, it, <laughs> you know you way. can be white too you come in come in come in we need your help uh, with some of the heavy lifting against these fellows and you know <laughs> and yeah a lot of them fell for it but then so many others are like ah look what we lost how much did they have to fight for the celtic resurgence the celtic revival they fought really strongly to recover the culture when it was nearly bashed out of them and they recovered it too so there's lots you think about the embassy that we've had with the irish here like half of the bloody aboriginal family names in australia are irish you know, yeah speaking their own language they came, you know, as, as people who had been colonized by the same people and uh, all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. we had things in common. That's where Australian rules football come out of that, Gaelic football and and our game, you know, hybridized.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: everything good about Australia has come out of the the embassy between us mob and, um, and Irish fellas. I have a theory about that. Yeah, deadly. Gone. Hey, you you got Ireland. They all say deadly there. Yeah. I Tell you,
2: yeah, that's wow. come from there
1: and another one too. Um, yarn like they 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 use yarn the same yarning the same way we do, you know. So there's plenty of um, plenty of our stuff <laughs> come out of like uh, embassy, you know, with the Irish mob. So I um, I, I, I like them. I've made shillelaghs with them, like I've done the carving to make their fighting sticks and all that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, oh, they're it's a good mob. Tends. Yeah, yeah, there's this, this other game they play that um. Yeah, I was having a drink in the Irish pub uh, a couple of months ago and with a, with an Irish dude and, and he was telling us about this game and a sort of – I know it's a bit like Harry Potter game but with these um, sticks and I thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting game. I wonder why it didn't get taken up in Australia. Mm. Obviously because uh, cricket yeah. uh, was the dominant force.
1: Oh, I guess. Oh, yeah. my God, cricket. Oh, that's, an, that's a horrendous thing. Sport, sport, sport. Hey, I wanted to ask you about, um, look, I'm pretty good at reading country. When I got a new country, I can usually figure out how that systems, system works. But there's something confusing me about Gumbungi country. And I don't know if it's like uh, something that's gone wrong or if it's how it works. But clear water in the mangroves.
2: Clear water like, in I, the mangroves.
1: I don't know how your mangroves work. I, I've been there where, um, you know, Coffs and all around there. And I go walking out in the mangroves and the, the waters, like I've been walking through just clear water where you can see the bottom in mangroves. And like, yeah. I, I've never experienced that before. And I'm trying to figure out well, how are these mangroves working? And where are the crabs? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then can I get metaphors- some crab here, please? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <it's> like- <laughs> Oh Tyson, this is this is Lacey. So hello. Hey
1: Lacey. Hi. How you going?
2: Um, yeah. Well, one of the things is obviously that um we don't have those mudflats. Mm. So, and our mud mudflats are really short, and obviously it comes back from yeah you know, those Holocene five thousand years ago with the sea level rise. I'm sure it's one uh, stage yeah. before sea level rise that we did have those big yeah, yeah. mud flats, but when the sea level r- rose, it went straight into those Holocene dunes. Right, and, so, and that's where a lot of the new river systems are, um, in in those barriers, mm. and so you know you get clear sands and, and as I said, you know we're one of the strongholds where we still have a lot of intact forest on the mountains, so. A lot of our uh, waterways are coming through clean at the moment, and man, at the moment the, the water's like crystal clear, mm. like crystal, absolutely crystal clear. Mm.
1: But- and it flows from the river; it flows clean into the ocean there. Yeah, so you see, I've got a lot of that mud coming out. That oh yeah,
2: and-, and and the tidal um, movement also, so that ah, yeah. um, sort of fresh water um well it it starts clear in the mountain clear 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 and then once upon a time it was all clear Mm. but as it then moves through those alluvial flats where they've now made farmlands um yeah it gets muddy and silty but then when it reaches the ocean um in in charge um, it then becomes clear again so and then where you've got the inversion of fresh and salt um, yeah, that's where it sort of mixes and you get yeah, some really interesting one. dynamics. Yeah, yeah, the brackish. Yep. Mm. But um, a lot of the time we're, we're clean, we're you know, rainforest and saltwater people. So our rainforest areas are all lovely and clean and clear as long as uh, state forests don't keep um, chopping them down.
1: Yeah.
2: And the trees and. I just, I, I,
1: I didn't know how to be in the mangroves without that sort of hypervigilance. If not quite knowing what was, <laughs> was under the water, but it's walking through. I'm like, <laughs> we're just walking peacefully through the mangroves. I'm like, this is wrong. <laughs> this is wrong. I'm supposed to have some level of uh, watchfulness here, but I just want to relax. Mm. Yeah,
2: well, look. The only thing that's going to really get you, and you, you obviously know how to walk through mangroves and sand flats where you mm. you're, you're stomping more than anything to sort yeah. of. Tell the stingrays that you're coming. Yeah. Um. And then, but then, when you're in mud crab area, you want to be as quiet as possible. Mm. So it, it's that whole sort of being in country, when to be loud and when to be soft. Yeah. yeah. When um, and so, well, so not yeah, not when,
1: when I'm not when I'm hunting stingray, I'm not going to be stomping around. I'll be yeah, that's quiet as a little mouse. There. <laughs> that, 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 that's
2: right. But like, yeah, yeah. Because we got so many. I didn't
1: see any there though, and I figured it was the wrong season for that. Yeah, when I was there. Yeah, I, look. You know, I saw I seen them fat oysters though, and so I'm looking around. I look for that um, campfire smoke, you know. So I went and followed that round. I'm on the other side there, and that sure enough, that um, family there, black fellows, stopping in there, and I asked them if I could have some oysters. Can I pick some oysters? And um, and they said no, no, no. There's uh, been a big sewage leak. Mm. That was, this was a long time ago. But yeah, they'd, apparently there'd been a big syringe lick and they weren't eating the oysters. They are going to leave it for a few years.
2: Oh, look, it's, it's one of the inherent problems, hey, Tyson, mm. on the coast now, and especially with climate change. Um, yeah, like last year or this year, we didn't have oyster season. We haven't had a proper oyster season for, like, two years. <clears throat> and that's one of our main cultural foods, hey, and yeah. all the old fellas mate like they still yeah still really love everyone just loves same. the loves the oysters
1: but we went through a period of the same up up, up north and the, the oysters weren't getting fat but mm. what was weird was the indicator for that is the red flowers coming on the the tree that um you know milkwood tree and the tree stopped flowering too because you when you see those flowers that's when you know they're fat so mm. it's like ah oh, that's not just a correlation you know that's like Almost a causation, but not linear. That's like a co-causation or something. That's a that's another thing. There's some symbiotic thing with that signal.
0: That,
2: yeah. you know, um, even, even something like yeah, you know, symbiotic distress. Mm. Um, yeah, and 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 for me, it's uh, it's a bit of a concern because you know, obviously, a lot of mob still you know, not in that, um, you know, even in, in the mid-economic bracket. And so we still get a lot of sustenance from mm. country. Mm. Yeah, my aunt always said, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, land, the land is our fridge and we take from it wisely. <laughs>
0: mm.
2: it, it rings through mate. every time I go out in country, I, I think that. But unfortunately, you know, with things like mm. flood mm. events, Mm. Um, we, we get, and I don't know why these, these white followers want to put sewage plants right next to waterways. Mm. Like who, who on earth thought about that? Who thought that was a great idea? And on sand Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know, that's not going to work. So we've got this big dirty sewage, um, station treatment plant that's sitting right, um, on adjacent one of our main creeks that feeds into our river, and um, a lot of the time during flood events, you know, we'll get, um, you know, or when we get a, a, a an overload of, you know, people that have come up and visited, and um, you know, the the the, the sewage station can't deal with it, and so there's overload, too mm. many people in the one spot because you know everyone's vying for this, mm. um, and then country suffers as a consequence, and then we suffer because country's suffering. We then suffered and we haven't, um, and then we had floods this year and then also we had fires and then with the big fires that come through country, you know, these, these um, fire management places were up in the mountains dropping helicopter after helicopter after helicopter of, um, you know, fire retardants. Mm. And so those retardants also have an active chemical that moves through our water system and oysters being, yeah those, those filter feeders, um, were also, you know, picking up, um, those chemicals as well. And
1: yeah. Well, all these effects, it's, it's not just the aggregate of these things, you know, it's, um, it's more than that. And I think complexity theory, systems thinking goes, you know, a long way to, it's a good tool for being able to you know, translate the actual knock-on effects and the runaway effects of, of, of some of these things that feed back into each other. But that's, I wanted to, um, I wanted to sort of engage you in this idea of um, like just asking you where complexity theory systems thinking are adequate and where they're inadequate, you know, so, and, um, so just for example, the, the concept of a, um, of a feedback loop. Let's go with a positive feedback loop because that's relevant for climate change. So I experienced a positive feedback loop this morning. I go to shout at my daughter because <laughs> she's about to spill her tea, and um, you know, and 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 so I like I breathe in a bit of rice. You know, the fish and rice. I breathe in a bit of rice. It goes into my windpipe. I cough and it goes up behind my nose. <laughs> so then I'm like. It goes back in my windpipe again, back and forth a bit, and then so that messes up my um. Then th- so now I got a runny nose from that, an irritated nose, and so I'm sniffling all the way through my breakfast. I have another spoonful of rice, and I sniff and boom, another rice. <laughs> so you know. Um, so that means that when I'm eating, I got that runny nose now from that rice. But because of the runny nose, that means I'm getting more rice in that windpipe and more gum back up and down the other way. Then my nose gets runnier and then I'm eating more rice. And <laughs> uh, I need some kind of regulatory, like a negative feedback loop to offset that. But, um, but I'm too hungry to make that happen. Yeah, anyway, so that, just, that was just by way of explaining to people what a positive feedback loop is where it keeps feeding back in like that. Now, we have a lot of these these ones contributing to runaway climate change, et cetera, but how adequate do you think the a lot of the um, like the heuristics and and, and you know, theories and, and, and algorithms, equations, ideas, you know, frameworks within complexity theory and uh, systems thinking, design thinking, uh, how adequate are these, and, and how how much do they do they make like a, a, um, a like a protocol language, a translating language in between indigenous knowledge and and uh, and all the rest of science, you know? Um, how adequate are they, and how accurately can we map our systems across and explain them through these lenses?
2: Um
1: and I thought positive I, feedback I, loop might be yeah. a good, good one to go into see if there's another way to reframe that from an Indigenous knowledge system perspective
2: yeah. and w- well I explained a bit earlier hey like with the Indigenous knowledge systems um, that it is this holistic system and we still have people uh, scientists, Western scientists um, government just wanting to pick the bits mm. that mm. they like or the bits that they can afford to fund mm. or yeah, the bits that are suited to their next strategy. Yeah. So I don't think they do work. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, or beyond the next policy. Um, so I don't think they, they do work because the feeder comes from a completely different perspective and ideology to what's contained in the loop, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Ah. So the feed... Yeah? Yeah. Am I breaking up?
1: No, 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 you're good. I'm going, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Sorry. So so
2: the feeding mechanism um, is coming from a completely different ideology perspective from the actual loop. And, and the nodes and the components within that loop. Yep. So essentially what you got is a contaminated loop. Ah. And in this instance, it's a contaminated loop with Western ideology. Mm. So it needs to be a construct that's coming from an indigenous ideology an indigenous viewpoint that then is essentially the components that feed into that loop and then bring it back around. Mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but it's also sanitized. Um, Another layer you mentioned at the start around that um, spirit ceremony, ritual, cultural practice, all that sort of thing, you know, that layer of meaning, that story and all that. When it's sanitized of that, then it it ceases to work. Um, And I think a good, so a good, a good analogy for that would be acupuncture. Western medicine acknowledges that acupuncture has a measurable effect. And even a lot of Western practitioners have, um, have adapted and included acupuncture in their treatment protocols. Um, however, minus the energetic system of chi, you know, chi yes. cannot be measured, chi cannot be observed. Uh, Only its effects from the instruments that they're using. So, therefore, it cannot be mentioned, acknowledged, and it must be erased. So, I guess the problem with the complexity theory and the systems theory is that it's one of those things that's been sanitized. You know, it's like those meditation traditions, you know, uh, grounded in culture and spirit from India that have been sanitized into uh, mindfulness and uh, breath work. You know what I mean? minus the stuff so they're missing something so i guess that's where it's interesting and exciting to be using them indigenous knowledge systems um and applying that as a lens of complexity uh, on complexity science and coming into dialogue with those communities um yeah even though often man i tell you what a lot of that uh, if you're uh, coming into that community with complexity science internationally, you're crossing paths with some very interesting communities and some very, um, you know, kind of um, (laughs) anti-woke, you know, kind of sense making crowds and stuff like that. They're a very interesting community Um, and they're very, very pro um, the enlightenment and age of reason kind of thing. Um, Yeah. I've, I've got a lot of friends in that space. And, you know, I think it's important to make relationships with them, um, you know, and 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 come into that dialogue, not just preach to the choir and talk to the people who think just like you do, you know, uh, yeah. working pretty that- hard on that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's, yeah, it's that thing. That's the layer that's missing is that layer of spirit is often missing, you know, in complexity theory. Um, that's right. But, and it's also know, missing
2: I've- in science, Tyson. So that's yeah. the one thing that you can't. You know, measure or apply in science. And so that's why when people uh, want to or they look to take up traditional ecological knowledge or indigenous knowledge, um, that it's always the, the one thing that's left out. And I would go to the point that it's actually the nexus. It's, it's the main thing that, you know, provides that knowledge is, is those systems that um, are attached to the knowledge. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, it's hard to work the knowledge without it. Yeah. Because half of the knowledge is knowledge of spirit. It's like trying to do acupuncture without chi. It doesn't work. Well, Charles, Dr. that I think that's a good place to leave it. I think that's a really good point and we've arrived at a good spot there. Um, Yeah, any last words from you or Sunshine? Sunshine.
2: Um, No, I just want to thank you, Tyson, for the opportunity to have a yarn and yeah, it's always good to talk about this sort of stuff. And as I said, um, yeah, we we're at that point in time where we need to be um, shifting and changing our ideology and the way we think and the way we operate on this planet. And if it means bringing uh, spirituality and, and spirituality that comes from you know, that mm. nature-based consciousness mm. and equity, um, mm. yeah, Let's do well, it.
1: I, I explain it to these fellows as a psychotechnology, uh, a system. that They understand it. If I say it's a psychotechnology, they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Because they're all, um, you know, right up that ketamine and DMT and, and acid trips and all that sort of thing. And you know? they're, they're fine with that kind of spirit. And you know, they see that as a technology. And, oh, that's cool. All right. So, you know, and you can explain ritual, you can explain spirit in that way. Uh, just as a way to bring in it's a good metaphor for us so that's i'm finding that's working well anyway yeah, thank it's you so almost much like Gus.
2: Taking, a, taking a bex when you've had enough uh, of your husband hey same
1: i i've never had a husband but i can imagine i am one <laughs> so yeah all right <laughs> thanks no, so thanks, much thanks for and we'll talk again soon um yeah and I'm, I'm looking forward to you know some ongoing um work through the lab and and see what sort of role you want to take on coming in yeah.
2: No, it'd be awesome to have that yarn with you, bro.
1: Too deadly. Well, let's uh, let's get onto that soon. All right. All right.
2: Catch Thanks, you. Thanks, Gugu.